CHP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode. Hello, you golfing legends, and welcome back to the original Off Course. I'm your host, Dan Edwards, and joining me this week, uh, a triumphant return to the pod, Mr. Ryan Hawk, staff writer extraordinaire over there on THP. Go read some of his thoughts on the homepage. How are you, Ryan? I'm good. Three times in, uh, or no, two times, I guess, in the last month. So I'm living high on the hog, baby. Well, that's what happens when we go off course for like half of the episode uh, and and don't talk about the primary reason you came on to discuss. (laughs) It gives us good reason to get back. And it still stresses me out to call you Ryan. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not comfortable right now. I'm uncomfortable too. <laughs> <laughs> how is uh, how's winter treating you, buddy? You doing all right? Uh not too bad. It, it's it it hasn't been a bad one so far. Um, I think uh, I've certainly lived through worse. I've, I I actually played outside golf last month. It's been about a month. At this point, I'm sort of uh, just not really interested in tackling it. To be honest, I, I, I just <laughs> last time I was out, super wet, super just you know, kind of spongy underneath. And um, it's good for the walk, I guess. I, I don't mind getting a little bit of walking in. But Are you a snow blower or a snow shoveler? So I am a blower. And <laughs> and that that was actually a really big deal in our house. So the uh, our our driveway is just massive. It's just a it's a really wide driveway. Um, it's one of the best things about the house and I don't know the first year that we lived here, man, I, I went out to shovel it and it legit took me hour and a half just for a little over half of it. So last year I got a, a blower and it's, it's a game changer, except the only disappointment is when it doesn't snow enough to actually warrant a snow blowing, you know? Yeah. I feel you. We have a riding mower here mm. and I've contemplated purchasing the uh, shovel for the front, like the bucket dude. You should. And I should, but I've only had to shovel once this year. And I feel like there's one of two things are going to happen. The year I do it, it's going to be the most golf I'll ever play in a winter, first of all, or it's going to be the worst winter on record. And I'm going to be thrilled about it. So I can't decide if I want to take the risk or not. <laughs> you, I don't think you'll regret it. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't. I don't. Uh, so. Well, let's let's kick it off the the conversation with uh, what's happening this week. It's one of the more popular tournaments on tour. Uh, mm-hmm. Something I don't feel like I do enough on the pod is actually talk about current events. <laughs> sure, uh, but waste waste management's coming up. Uh, everyone loves it. Well, not everyone actually. I would say not everyone at all loves it. It's a very polarizing tournament. It is divisive, um, yes. But it does sort of give you that feeling that the year's really getting going. I don't know if you get that same vibe as I do. Like when I see Hawaii, I, all I think of is like, this is what I don't get to have right now. And then I see a little bit of Cali. I'm like, okay, we're, we're picking up a little bit. And then waste management's like, Oh, spring is upon us. (laughs) Yeah. To me, um, the, the Hawaii swing is kind of make believe golf. Um, and I don't know. I've always found kind of the Florida, the Florida swing when I actually start kind of starting to get, that feeling that things aren't far away, but I've never been a, I'm not one of the anti waste management open people, which we know there are many, Um, but it's never really resonated with me for whatever reason. I've just never been terribly interested. 
so I, I posted something on THP today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess it's Wednesday now. Um, talking about if I were ever to have the chance to go, I don't think I would spend a great deal of time on the 16th. Not the way I would probably on the 17th at Sawgrass or something like that. Right, right. You know, whereas the 16th, it's a spectacle, no doubt. But the spectacle is more about the fans than anything else, I feel like. Um, yeah, it's not an and, iconic hole. It's an iconic yeah. kind of setting. Right. So, like, the idea is I would love to go to the waste management. I would love to be in that atmosphere when it gets really loud because it's apparently absolutely nuts. But I don't think I would have staying power in that area. I feel like uh, like that whole one and done, like, know it, feel it, and bail on it is kind yeah. of my thoughts. Are, are you in the same camp or would you would you stick it out a bit? Oh, are we talking about? Are we talking about actually playing the course or, or no? Just spending time. So, if you were to go to the waste management, okay, what, what percentage of time would you have watching on the sixteenth? I really like day drinking, and um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a there's really nothing quite like it. Um, chances are, I would spend a lot of time there. Okay. There's no doubt. I, I I'm sure I would. Um, I can't lie. Yeah, it, it's interesting. And and I say that no different than I would anything else where you go and you get to feel and experience it in a totally different manner. And suddenly you're like, OK, I get it a lot more. Uh, and I've definitely come around on it. I, I for a while, I didn't think there was a place for it. Um, but then it seems so confined to that area. Uh, and I was looking at it more through the lens of a father. Like if I take my kids somewhere, I don't want that experience. I feel like if you if you're if you have a five-year-old, the best place to take him at the waste management is probably like the opposite side of the golf course and not to the 16th. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't. Right. A good place for that. I, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the, um, you know, kind of the content creators on YouTube that have filmed there, especially around the time of the tournament when they've been doing some of the celebrity, you know, just events. Um, and so you kind of get a different, picture of it just because of the way that cameras are you know just right up on the on the uh the person and it, it's pretty cool i mean it, it's very cool i i think um if you take the sort of um cliched view of it's just a bunch of people getting hammered out of it i mean the energy has to be huge right just, that's what i keep circling back to is you, you've been to any big sporting event you know what it's like to have uh, what do they say? The the house is electric right now, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's vibrating. Like there's a real sense of a one. It becomes like one element. You right. know what I mean? And uh, I'm assuming it's much the same there when they really get rocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Though it, golf moves at such a slower pace. Um, part of you wonders like if it's how hard it is to keep up that excitement all day. And if some of it's just excitement for the sake of, uh, I guess, showboating a little bit. Yeah. Well, and uh, I, I think what's been fascinating over the last few years with the waste management is every year that seems like the, they've bent the line a little bit uh, mm-hmm. as it relates to watching golf versus being raucous, you know, and last year, I don't know if you happen to catch it, but, there was a hole one finally for the first time in a while and the place went absolutely nuts. Beer cans are flying. Everyone in the stands is completely soaked. Um, you get the announcers underneath the stands getting soaked. Um, it requires quite a bit of cleanup, um, which was, you know, is a spectacle and a half, 
you, you get right. a four minute video of just fans going absolutely nuts, you know, throwing away their $18 beers like they're nothing. <laughs> and then the day kind of ends. And then the following day, you have sort of these lesser moments, uh, like a birdie or Harry Higgs being Harry Higgs. And suddenly like this whole beer throw has now been unlocked, if you will, at the event. And so now it's become like regular things. Anything happens. The guy walks through the tunnel, beers start flying. Right. You know? That um, is to the point where the tour actually came out. Um, maybe it wasn't the tour. Maybe it was waste management basically said, we need to control this a little bit. We're going to have like a social media story on it, which a campaign It's like, okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> they're going to do, uh, they're going to do plastic cups instead of cans, I guess this year okay. when you buy beer. I think that's only, it's a commemorative only within the confines of the stadium. I think everywhere else you can buy, but you can't bring in. Um, so they're, they're doing a couple things to, push back against the idea of the whole launching and it sounds like they're trying to move a little bit away from trying not to make this like an every birdie opportunity to just be a lunatic type of thing so i, I know i just threw a lot at yeah. you and i don't know the depths well, that you've experienced it but do you have any thoughts on that it's like a food fight right at, yeah. at lunch at high school if everybody stands up and does it at the same time then nobody is going to get in trouble right and it's kind of just an amazing experience to be part of it. However, if there's some, you know, a-hole tossing a chicken nugget at you like every day or two, you know, then it's just, <laughs> it's just annoying, right? Every um, 15 minutes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the hole-in-one, I, I, you know, I, I watched the video earlier and um, I didn't really watch much tour last year, especially around this time. So... Um, I actually did not see that. And my first impression when I saw the beer starting to fly was that's awesome. Right. I just think that's super cool. It's like, it's, it's a kind of a, um, organic thing and it just sort of happens. Mm -hmm. But then as you kind of watch the video longer, like the whole event's over and then you just see like one extra beer fly and then like <laughs> another one come like, yeah. just sort of like, kind of like those last few popcorn kernels popping in the bag and um you know that that is it was an ugly look i guess uh, i where do you draw the line between uh allowing something like that to kind of happen and then uh, also um like you were saying just the the constant minor moments that get celebrated unnecessarily by thrown beer uh i don't know i will say though the the idea that a cup versus a can is going to change much other than the fact that i'd rather get hit by the cup than the can i i think the idea there is by the time the cup has landed the um the liquid has come out of it versus yeah, a beer true. like those tighter necks if it's full there's going to still be quite a bit of that beer in it by the time it lands. So the cup, ideally, unless they throw it perfectly, is likely going to drop or lose all of its contents by the time it lands. So they should put a QR code on the cup that's uh, individually, you know, unique to each individual, <laughs> and then they would know if who had thrown the cup. Yeah, yeah, they're real serious that's, about it. That's pretty heavy. Maybe they are. Maybe we don't know. Yeah, maybe. I mean, in the end, I, I don't know. It, everybody makes a really big deal about the 16th hole. And it, 
I just I think it's really cool the idea of having like people cheering like loudly during golf tournament is really cool to me. I mean, that's one of the things about the Masters that's always really neat in my opinion is just all the people that are there and um the fact that you can hear roars from around the different holes on the course you know even though yeah you might be be watching a putt on 13 but you can hear something happening you know across the other side so i i I like the excitement but at the same time i I suppose there's got to be a limit well to your point it it makes it incredibly unique and the one thing that golf courses really struggle with right now is finding ways to differentiate themselves from others. And I've, I've read a lot over the last year about pros making decisions to go to certain courses to play or avoid. Um, I would imagine if you take away the 16th, the waste management becomes pretty unremarkable. Uh, there's certainly nothing that like really stands out about it beyond that. The way that I, I use the example already, but the 17th at Sawgrass right um, is a spectacle and you know that that sort of identifies that tournament uh, when you think about it whereas you think about the waste management now it truly owns an identity of a singular hole um that you can carry that story for a while so I, I love i love the idea that that courses have that freedom to create a unique experience but i i do want i really want the tour to find a way to allow fans to uh toe the line without making it something a little bit more absurd and, and i think about it this way there's cheering in all sports and there's nothing wrong with that right. um, i don't know another sport that's supportive of launching projectiles onto the playing field <laughs> <laughs> don't they don't they throw the hat or the uh the octopus out on the so the octopus <laughs> is not supposed to happen the hat is a really really interesting example uh so the hat trick in hockey the idea is three goals from one player in a singular game for those of you who are not familiar with the sport um everyone or anyone willing throws their hat onto the ice in celebration I would bet that's got to be the closest example to beer tossing in. Uh, yeah. So I, I wonder if I wonder if the waste management could do something interesting where they provided all the patrons in that area with some sort of item. Yeah. Uh, whether oh, you know, it'd be really cool, like a little foam ball. And if if and when, but here's the problem. People aren't just going to throw their hats at a hockey game because it's, you know, a $40 item. Yeah, now they're really expensive. You you give someone a foam ball and it's probably getting launched, especially considering there are years at a time where a whole one doesn't exist. So is there a way to create a tradition like the hat trick uh, at the waste management? I think that'd be really cool. I'm throwing my ball the second Jason Duffner takes the tee. <laughs> yeah, and that, I guess that's the problem is you pick something that like that and suddenly everyone just gets their moment, you know, and uh, I think that's the problem is we as golfers or we as uh, patrons need to respect the rules as they are and try not to bend them so much that we lose out on some of the fun we could have, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But it's, people, it's a, people aren't going there to not toe the line. They're going there to see how, how far they can take it. Yeah. I, I think that it's one of the, you know, waste management's one of the rare golf events that probably maybe not, but I bet you about half the people there don't even care about professional golf. 
<laughs> at, at least you or know what i mean learning it's, to it's an experience yeah, and they, they gain uh, that it's got a great field though it should actually be a pretty good tournament i you know i think it kind of back to your point and then we should, we can move on but i the I hope nobody takes this wrong either, but I hope they I, do. They this is in. not this is not a memorable golf course to me, right? So you look at like for example, champion course at PJ National. It has the bear trap, right? That's memorable. You look at any other course that kind of has uh, a you know maybe a set of holes that's really difficult, a hole that is really difficult, whatever. That sort of is their, uh, you know, their their identity. I, I think that TPC, whatever Scottsdale and and this tournament needs this because it doesn't really have a ton of identity otherwise. I don't I don't think that's an offensive perspective. I mean, I've I've had people on the show talk about Bay Hill the same way, and and truth yeah. be told, if you take Arnold Palmer away from Bay Hill, it's not really Bay Hill the way people perceive it. And I think that's pretty fair. Yeah. Um, I look at, uh, I get a lot of criticism for being unmoved by Torrey Pines and by Pebble, but if you take them, uh, m- not so much Torrey, but if you take Pebble away from that location, it's just a golf course, right? I, I would say that my feeling would be Torrey Pines. I, I don't think either of them, well, actually, I take that back. I don't think Torrey Pines shows very well on TV. I would um, agree with that. Yeah. You know, Pebble, Pebble shows, shows amazing. And the 18th yeah. obviously is an, mm-hmm. an unbelievable finishing hole. But, you know, I, I think that's totally fair that, and that's partly what I was saying is that courses need, and events need ways to identify themselves uniquely yeah. from others uh, in order to create that interest. I mean, it's hard for a guy in Illinois or Ohio to say in February, like, let me take some time out of my weekend to watch golf. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You you have to be really invested in the game to want to do that. Otherwise, we're just, you know, in the corner, continue our sulk fest while we wait for spring to show up. So, yeah, yeah, let's move on. I'm excited to see how things go. Um, But it's always interesting, right? It's always it's always curious to see what that next step is in a tournament that has such a unique concept built into it. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, uh, one thing I really want to talk about, and, and this, this is tailing off our last discussion that we didn't get to. And, and I want to lead us in there with my experiences over the last weekend. I happened to go to the driver range. Um, my course was closed because we we're back and forth between snow and, um, and warmth so you know, the course is not in condition to play mm-hmm. um so i ended up going to a local range that had the top tracer information like uh, all built into every single bay sure um which i i think is pretty wild i went there really just to get reps in i have no faith in range balls at all um and what i ended up with was a lot more than that um makes me think back of back to my early days of golf and getting into it and going to the range and just getting pretty much nothing out of it. Look, we are so intertwined with data at this point that it's like, man, you can't, you can't even escape it. I guess you could like not participate, but of course that giant screen sitting there staring you in the face, of course you're going to hit play, even if it's just on the range. Right. Well, if yeah, I mean, it, it's going to happen and you're there. (laughs) Otherwise you'd be better off going somewhere else because I'm Mm -hmm. sure you're paying more money to go wherever you went. So I don't really know what a standard bucket of balls is. We, I think I paid $13 for 75 balls, which doesn't seem to be oh, outlandish. 
Uh, I mean, um, it, that's pretty standard, I think. But yes, yeah, so that's that's ridiculous. To me, it is. <laughs> I understand that there's economics involved in it, but um, I, I know that my home course, which I love, um, I don't pay for range balls, but we charge for a, I don't know, a small bag of balls, $10. It is unreal. I could not imagine paying that to, to hit balls there. So that, yeah, I, I don't have a baseline. And and frankly, my other option during the winter is probably top golf, which is mm-hmm. a whole different experience at a whole different price point. Sure. So it's not, um, it's not like I really had any baseline to go on other than I really just wanted to hit balls and it's cheaper than, you know, going and trying to figure something else out. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was great to get out there. I mean, it was, it was, um, the experience I thought it was with the exception of as soon as I got there, I started getting in tune with the data. And then of course I went there to work on my game. And I think one of the hardest things to do when you're working on your game is, and and I think this applies to even more so playing, but you, you try to, you try to hit a window, you try to hit a number. And if you're not doing that, then you're going to alter your swing regardless of what you're working on to get to that number. Right. And I think that's partly how our swings get so flawed is like, let's say you're hitting it out to the right. Well, your natural move is to get your hands turning hard over to get it out to the left. And now you're casting and throwing inside, which is sending the ball left in the negative way. Definitely not speaking about my own experiences at all. I, I would never do anything like that. You know? of course not. Of course not. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you get the idea. You get the sense of if you eliminate the data point, then you could just focus on like what feels right, what what contact feels good. Um, and it's almost inescapable at this point to say, okay, is the data valid? So I want to throw that back over to you before I go into too much depth is what, what is it like for you? Cause I know you spend some time inside hitting, uh, and, and you use a fair bit of the, the, the simulator style data to, to track progress. So, yeah. So, well, and just as a little background and a lot of people in the forum, THP forums will know. Um, but maybe not necessarily all your listeners. So part of the part of what I am doing on THP right now is writing a series based on technology and golf. And really it's kind of um, focused in on indoor technology, especially here in the last few months um, with the uh, kind of the eventual goal of seeing, uh, you know, can, can I make, I guess, uh, fundamental changes to swing and uh, improvements in an indoor environment, utilizing things like, you know, indoor launch monitors, personal launch monitors and things like that. So, yeah, I, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the last, um, and it's all, we're getting close to three months now that I've been indoors, uh, lots and lots of times, um, or lots and lots of time, uh, there are days where I can spend in easily two hours in the garage and I've kind of learned a lot of things about, um, you know, technology, my swing, my tendencies, my, um, kind of mental approach to handling what I'm seeing in terms of data. And you're right. You know, you do make compensations. I think that the course is actually a little bit more of a pressure I, you know, kind of a pressure packed environment that forces compensations. The idea there is one shot, one result, right? Yeah. Especially because there's a big difference between looking at a screen and seeing a ball hook 
30 yards left and standing on a tee box and hooking the ball 30 yards left and and then that ball being gone forever right i mean they're just that <laughs> you're gonna say into a window <laughs> yeah well, you know well, no into a net but on, if you're looking at the screen and, and you know your simulator your or your launch yeah. monitor says okay big hook you know that sucks but it does not suck as bad as it sucks standing on the first tee and you know, losing a, a golf ball. So I, I noticed that I tended to resort to some compensations uh, pretty quickly when I hit the golf course, for sure. Um, we talk, we've talked about this in for years, and you know, we've even talked about it now. But I do think that one of the dangers that you run into with um, anytime that you're really data focused and really launch manager focused is that you chase numbers, just like mm -hmm. you were saying. Right. Um, and that can, that can cause you things like swing faults. It can cause injury. I, I actually spent about a week and a couple extra days injured my back just because frankly, I'm an idiot and I wanted to hit the ball farther than I was playing simulator golf by myself i mean yeah. how stupid is that? <laughs> but that's the power that numbers have yeah. right yeah um and where i'm at in my swing changes to hit the ball as hard as i was i was essentially just putting just immense you know uh pressure on my lower back and i learned that pretty quick so numbers can be deadly but at the same time what you're saying you know oh do you go by feel i don't think that you can go by feel if you're trying to make a real change to your swing. I think you need video. I think video is the most important thing. Um, if you want to avoid, ch you know, ch chasing data, um, because I can tell you right now, I can come over the top and flush a golf ball, feel like I'm compressing it, hit it clean. But the reality is, is that's a terrible golf swing and really hmm. a terrible golf shot. Right. So it's, I not guess. All so when I was talking about feel it, and maybe it's more a reflection of like things are functioning relatively well in my iron swing. So the goal mm -hmm. is to not throw my hands or uh, release too early, which would be like more of like that casting non satisfying feeling. Sure. So once you compress the ball, you can absolutely feel the difference between good solid compression. You know, that would be more what I was facing in that, in the confines of that discussion. I, okay. I certainly well, accept and reflect that. on your idea of, you need that the deeper depth to understand what you're what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. So, and and I think a lot of that is you you in in a lot of ways that I don't own your swing a lot more. Right. You're you're you have a lot more familiarity with what is is good and what works. Whereas a lot of times I have a lot a lot more familiarity with what I'm trying to you know get rid of rather than actually like attain i think that if that makes sense but okay um yeah so there are some trade-offs i will tell you that there are there are weeks actually i'm in the middle of one right now where i don't even fire up the launch monitor or the sim software um because i find it more distracting and um kind of harmful than uh, just taking video taking five ten swings stopping looking at the video making adjustments as needed um but i'm also kind of crawling right now i'm doing some real like slow 
drill partial swing stuff. So nobody wants to see a launch monitor say, you know, you hit a seven iron a hundred yards. That's no fun, right? <laughs> well, I'm it, the the monitor. So one of the things that during a lesson I took many years ago, the concept was like we're going to we're going to take a half swing, and I want you to swing down the line, but I want the ball to tail left at the end of it. So basically the idea is we're working hard on compression and promoting that like basically inside to out swing with allowing the ball to rotate over. That's one of the things you can't really see just sitting into a net and it's hard to determine based on what your, um, your swing looks like, but then you get on that monitor and it sort of adds that additional element to it. I think that's a pretty interesting component as well. So, you know, as, as much as, um, I'm I'm trying to come full circle on the idea of and I, and I want to step into this next is there's a ton of things we can do on a range during an off season to prepare our golf swings for the following year but the idea is we have to have some sort of readout component regardless of how deadly accurate the numbers are to feel like we need visual validation is what I'm yeah. basically saying yeah. so so this is something I want to track back to you because one of the things I noticed, and I've had, I've had a love hate relationship with things like Trackman over the years. I know there's a telesized numbers that, that are more like guesstimates that sort of incorporate less than deadly accurate numbers because it didn't get a proper reading. And and I tended to be on the side of regularly getting the italicized numbers. Uh, I'm, I'm very fond of the GC quad. Uh, it was always that gap in between that that uh, made me concerned. It, uh-huh. it, and I think I think that the I think the industry is growing pretty significantly right now in the affordable launch monitor f- format. Uh, you know, talking about the two main products uh, and their faults is kind of ridiculous when they're you know upwards of twenty grand to even get near them. So the idea that somewhere in that 500 to a couple thousand range we actually do have good solid solutions now is is a pretty wonderful thing um but i still think you know at some point there it's not just enough to be in a garage i still don't have pure faith in the numbers to just hit in a garage and and i'd love your perspective on that yeah Uh, so we are really lucky first of all i mean I, i remember I used to have a launch monitor, what, 2013, 2014. It was like the size of like a carry-on suitcase, right? And it, it snapped a photo or two. And then like there was a little readout about the size of a small iPhone, you know, that would kind of tell you what had happened. And, um, you know, I, I who knows how many thousands of dollars that thing costs. And then, you know, we've come all the way full, you know, full circle today where we've got Trackman and at 20k and gc quad at what probably like 10 something like that so there is a great space there and that i would say five to like you say two thousand dollar range um the i think that the more data that's accessible to us the more the higher our expectations are even for lower price points that i think that that's probably unrealistic so i'm using a garmin r10 right now right it measures supposedly like ball speed launch angle um 
spin rate, spin axis with certain types of golf balls, you know, and then it calculates a bunch of things, right? Um, you know, I guess it's hard for me to accept the idea that it can be inaccurate, but at the same time, it's like, well, geez, you know, this is such a fraction of the cost of a, a trackman, for example, what do I really expect? Um, I will say that I do notice some major issues with that unit and it does cause me problems. It, it makes my, my goals harder to attain at home. I can tell you so, exactly some issues too. Yeah. So like that seeing is believing aspect of it. And when you cross the two, so you, now you're hitting on an open range. So you see the flight, you see the characteristics, you see the shape and you look back at something and I'll, I'll address this that I started a thread on THP asking what sort of faith people had in their devices. And most people came back and, and said that for the most part, they're okay with it. Um, a lot of them felt that it was inaccurate. And uh, I think most of them leaned more on that, like short siding us, which, Hey, we're golfers, man. Of course we hit it further. Yeah. Um, but that's what I thought was really interesting. The, the other side of that is of course, if you're on a range doing that, you're using range balls. So, you should expect a little bit of distance loss. Uh, Top Golf's another good example. They have distance limiting golf balls there, so there's likely yeah. going to be a little bit of a discrepancy or disparency there. Um, but then I went to this this open range that had the top tracer there, and and I'm hitting seven irons, um, and you know covering 200 yards, trying to work on my game, and I'm like, I just I don't agree. <laughs> you know, I hit one that I'm not False. super happy about, and I'm like. Yeah, like I'm happy that you're here right now, Top Tracer. You're really picking me up a bit, but I'm not yeah. sure that uh, I've earned quite the numbers you're spitting out here. So, you know, that added component of like doubt, I guess you could say, is always a fear of mine. I'm very much a need to see it, need to believe it type of guy. And, you know, the idea that there is a little bit of that variety causes concern uh, from a learning component. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one point you make, I've put, been around people on um, launch monitor since what, 2011, right? Everybody almost is shorter on a monitor than they are in their brain. That's just the way it is, you know, a carry number versus, and that, that's, that's, not as as big of an issue as it used to be because people are more used to seeing their numbers now mm. but you know 10 years ago nobody nobody knew what their carry distance was right so the first time they saw it they're like no you know i drive the ball 240 yards well you know sometimes if it rolls far enough you do but um like yeah back in the days when everyone hit yeah. the nine iron 150 yeah i remember exactly. that <laughs> but at the same time i'll tell you right now at the r10 because the r10 for me has been shorter than i would expect in real life and then and the numbers don't match up and i'll i'll kind of explain so so i was seeing and i'm just going to throw out spitball numbers here i was seeing at home a nine iron in the 130 range for example right and it felt short to me for as far as i was as, as hard as i was hitting the ball you know it just it felt short because i know typically you know if i hit into a green what club's going to go where so i took it to the golf course the 
you know, my, my swing, I guess, to the golf course. And I lasered a flag and I sat there and I hit balls to it. And it, the, I was hitting the ball farther, at least on the golf course. I don't know. I mean, I can't tell you why. Maybe I was lucky that day. Maybe, you know, maybe not. Um, so that kind of threw me off a little bit. So then I took the R10 to, um, to the golf course with me. And actually put it in the middle of the fairway and just hit balls. And keep in mind, our courses are technically not open right now. So, like, I was able to do that. I wasn't, like, holding up play or anything. I was just able to hit 10 balls into a green and move on. But <laughs> Why did and, you feel like you had to put that little disc? Because I didn't. <laughs> I, I felt bad about this. I, I, I just felt guilty for some reason. But so, and what I, what I saw was that I had to adjust the software in the R10 up the out essentially is the the altitude setting so you're falsely making the ball fly farther than mm. uh than what it you know what what their stock setting is i had to adjust that to match the number that i saw on the golf course to the number that i saw on the r10 there at the same time so so and where that kind of throws you off is if you th say to yourself well geez i feel like i'm better today and then you're hitting 139 or 130 yard nine iron. And you're like, damn, I'm, I'm actually a little bit worse, <laughs> you know, than I yeah. was. So, so then you have doubt in, first of all, you have doubt in whether you're executing correctly. You have doubt in your instructor. You have doubt in everything, right? Well, in reality, it was just an issue adjusting um, the altitude setting. And then that sort of, solve that issue except then you're none of the numbers match up right so a uh, hundred mile per hour golf ball launched at a certain angle with a certain amount of spin should go x number of yards that's kind of you know over time you just sort of learn what those relationships are you know that equation and those numbers are nowhere to be found in what I see on a daily basis. I mean, they're just way off. Um, so I don't know what to think. A lot of times I, my assumption is that, that the radar spread is, is not very powerful on the R10 is my guess, or just, you know, the, just the radar's ability to get out there. So I'm just spitballing here a little bit and thinking about what would help me if I had a regular indoor setup and obviously the garage is fine for it, but sure. um, it, it hasn't been set up because I haven't found a unit that works well for me that is affordable to me. So the idea, like maybe some of these monitors and I know there are some, some companies out there doing like subscription based services that mm -hmm. limit the amount of information that's provided to me. It's almost like if you, if you have an, an object like that, that is less than perfect, I'd almost be better off just getting an iPad to hook up to it and just show me the flight of the ball. And and that's it. Don't give me the numbers. Yeah. Don't you can give me a vague idea of distance hit. You can give me a vague idea of peak mm -hmm. height. Like everything else, I feel like is almost damaging. Here's the problem with that though. I'll give you a great example. If you're if the unit isn't properly <clears> measuring <throat> spin axis, that's you could be, you could be pushing a ball out to the right that draws back to center or 
spins to the right, big push fade, or is just a straight push. So there's what do you know about my push fades, man? What what are you talking about, man? (laughs) My son has an amazing push fade. It's it's epic. (laughs) Um, but but you see what I'm saying though? Mm -hmm. And and I'll tell you right now, again, I was outside hitting balls and I had a pretty decent you know, a path that was starting the ball to the right and it was coming back to center or even left to center. But I, at home, I get a lot of reads where it's just the straight push, right. And the, the swing and everything feels as if it shouldn't be that way. Now with the R10, they do, they have changed that software so that it works with Titleist RCT balls, um, which basically have a metal film on the inside of them. And which are not cheap no they're 65 bucks a dozen yeah um and and supposedly that supposedly that makes it you know the the r10 software capable of measuring spin versus calculating it though i'll say i still get funky ratings on that i mean mm. have you ever hit a nine iron with three thousand rpms of spin because i do almost every day like at in, one like- point intentionally or no i'm just saying that's what the, that's what I, that's a reading i'll get <clears throat> i think not, i sneezed one time i think i sneezed one time at the top of my backswing and like made contact to the ground probably a foot behind the <laughs> ball and i think that nine iron might have been 3000 rpms yeah. that was negative 3000 <laughs> but yeah it, it, you know it's it's not a perfect thing even with the rct balls and that but i do want to talk about you know Rapsodo is coming out with the MLM, and I think that their their photo based mm-hmm. solution. So that's a combination Doppler radar and photo based launch monitor, and I think that you're going to get in general a much more accurate um, sense of the balls, you know, spin, spin axis, that type of thing, in that scenario with photos it's just going to be more indoors seems to be like they're kind of like a tidal wave right now with this concept it was well received at the show Mm -hmm. um and i would think at this point golfers are really itching for something they can have a lot of faith in and that's i mean we talked about the difference between now and 2011 i'm thrilled at the idea what 2033 looks like minus the part where my my body probably won't want to know <laughs> what I'll be putting it through in 10 God, years. 10 with years that. Yeah. I don't want to talk about that. I'm going to be, yeah, old by then. that's my bad. Maybe five years. Yeah. We still got some time. <laughs> you know, the M- the MLM has got a ton of hype. Um, it, it's really attractive because, you know, it, it's still in that sub thousand dollar price range yet at the same time, it's, it's um, supposed to offer a little bit more than what the Garmin R10 is offering to. Um, I I sincerely hope that they are able to launch that product and that it's an accurate and it functions well. Uh, you know, kickstarting off a piece of hardware like that with all the, you know, all that advanced software underneath it is going to be difficult without, you know, the chances of them coming out in this, their first iteration being perfect for, you know, 50,000 people that buy it right away um, is low. I, I suspect that they're going to have to make some updates along the way. Um, but I I think that there's a lot more potential there. You know, 
people ask all the time on the forum, you know, what, what launch monitor is right for me. I will almost always at this point kind of default towards something like SkyTrack, which is SkyTrack as a photo unit for people using it, uh, you know, for people in indoor spaces. And the reason is, is because radar is really finicky. It's prone to, you know, it's prone to um, interference with things that are in your house. You have to have a certain amount of space behind you and in front of you to track the ball. Um, so you might have to have special kinds of golf balls, you know, all these different things. So um, <clears throat> I've kind of defaulted in a lot of ways, you know, to recommending SkyTrack unless you know radar can work. However, now we got MLM2, which has both radar and photo, right? So, so the, the SkyTrack is an interesting one because they've been around for a while, right? And mm -hmm. I think the problem with I think the problem with this type of product is if you have experience in the game and you're constantly releasing and improving and, and showcasing the differences, and it's a good thing. But if you have a product that exists in a space for let's say a span of two or three years and and there's no real significant change to it. There, there's definitely a fear of getting lapped or getting overlooked uh, because people want to yeah. operate in the current year. So yeah. I'm, I'm wondering. I'm interested to see what what changes from SkyTrack come. I remember hitting it early on and thinking that it was a surprisingly good product for what it was, but there was quite a bit of outliers that I was dealing with that I didn't really care for. So. I, I think, um, you know, the number one thing that SkyTrack is always going to have in terms of a kind of a head start going forward is their software, right? Mm. Because they've had all this time for that to mature. Yeah. And, and it's not just completely locked into people's iPhones, which some of the smaller units are, and that does limit things. Um, you know, I'll tell you, there's, there's, it's always a compromise at the lower price point. If you don't want to compromise, you're going to have to go GC3, GC Quad, Trackman. You're going to have to at this point in time. And maybe that changes in the next six months or year. Maybe it doesn't. But, you know, uh, I'll tell you right now, here's a good example. Spin, or uh, I'm sorry, swing path and face angle, right? People are upset. Some people are upset that the new MLM2 Pro won't offer swing path and face angle at launch, right? Whereas the Garmin R10 does. However, you know, the, the Garmin R10 has no way to measure face angle at impact. It's it's a it's a radar unit sitting eight feet behind the user that can't even track a ball more than 20 yards out. It's it's not measuring your face angle it's just so not. I, to, it's to your point that's concerning because the the deception that exists there is problematic right like yes. when when you're i remember starting to learn about dynamic loft and things like that on a track band just being completely obsessed with it mm -hmm. and you know thinking how much of an impact that has on my game and, and what i need to do improve it even deeper on the gc quad now it's like um you know, th those are hugely impactful to not only how I swing the golf club, but also the clubs I choose to use and the lofts I choose to play at. Because, you know, if I'm <coughs> if I'm shutting the head down on my seven iron, I need to take a couple uh, loft increments away in order to hit a window. If I'm doing the opposite, which is what I do, 
I need to add a little bit. And it's not like, uh, it's not like having a guesstimate there is a very healthy thing for someone who's ready to go and make those changes to accommodate for their golf swing. Right. Very much so. And I mean, that's all I do right now. I mean, that's all I'm doing right now. Right. Is working on face uh, angle and path swing path. Right. So I've got these readings in front of me. I posted a picture, a screenshot yesterday on the forum. Then I, I let me see if I can look at this picture. Um, cause it was ridiculous. It was my, like my second shot of the day. And it said that my club path was 14 degrees into out. And my face was 17 degrees closed to the path. Now I just want somebody to go try that just sometime, just see like, you know, try if you can replicate those two things. <clears throat> Did you like hit, a, you hit the ball at the back of the club head? <laughs> this was a warm up wedge. I mean, it was just a normal swing. I hit it. <coughs> I hit it Excuse fine. Me. It wasn't an abnormal anything, but those are readings that I'll get. So I'll get that reading. And then the next one I'll get like four into out with a, you know, four close to path. So they'll just, I'll just get weird readings maybe every five to 10, but then, then it says to you, well, are any of them ever right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, so that's where I think video comes in. I think video is so important if you're working on path and looking at your ball, like your starting point of your ball is that's kind of what I really focus in on for my face Okay. in the absence of confidence that my launch monitor is working correctly of which i have none so do you feel like some of the more traditional methods to measure things like that such as like a scratch board or reading divots or anything like that do you think that kind of thing is just going to start going away and everyone's going to start relying on their easy to take with them units i i i think if they want well again assuming that they're getting accurate data i think if they want to improve yeah that's the knowledge is power, right? And we have all this knowledge available to us. So there's no reason why you wouldn't want to take advantage of it. Okay. Well, what's um, what's what's on the agenda for the next couple of months for you with regards to uh, prepping for 2023 golf? What what's yeah. the play from here? Well, so I just I, we just went through uh, we just entered phase two of my kind of my rebuild program here which is uh starting to work on downswing issues so it took it took a couple of months to get a, the backswing where i wanted it or where we wanted it um i was glad that we took the time to get it right though because you know I, there's been a lot of years where i just kind of said okay that's good enough and then you know it definitely was not good enough so um right now it's almost like i'm starting over again uh, where, you know, I'm kind of just doing like real basic, like, uh, real basic slow motion drills to ingrain new movements. Uh, really just not worrying about where the ball is going, how hard I'm hitting it. And I, it takes a lot of faith to do that. And, and one of the best things is I'm not on a golf course right now, so I don't have that pressure. You know, there's right. no, like, I don't care if, how far I hit it into a net. It doesn't matter. Um, so it's coming along. I, I have a ton of confidence. I'll tell you that I, I have confidence that, that there will be a time where it, it clicks and I can, you know, make this change, uh, feel natural. 
um, because I've experienced that already, you know, and, and I'll tell you what, where I was with my backswing, especially was a, um, a terrible, terrible, terrible place. So if I can fix that, if I can fix that, I can, I feel confident that I can do anything. And I know like everybody says, Oh, my backswings, it was horrific. It was yippy. Um, I even read about like CBD and psychoanalysis at one point. It was scary bad. And it's better. Is this it's like, did you read about that stuff while you were taking your backswing or after? Uh, I was thinking about it during, I actually went to the course one day. This was before I started really diving in just so you know too like into the into the lessons and the data side of it this was late last year when i was actually playing golf i went i, I took every tip i could including like music of a certain tempo and then like you know trying to hit like yeah hit points on a one you know on a one two and a whatever beat you know what i'm saying i no yeah. joke. i mean it was it was intense it was uh, a terrible terrible thing um, but i did actually knock it off and i was able to accomplish that so i feel good i i really feel like i'm going to um to uh get where i want to be where i can play golf in april like and actually go out and play and enjoy it play better than i did last year and then hopefully by the end of the year I actually play pretty well that's my goal is by the end of the year playing pretty well and um i'm not gonna stop the lessons or anything or the indoor work one season starts. That's going to okay. be a continued thing. Do you want to, do you want to see what I got going on right now? I do. So I'm, it, it's a big, not rebuild year for me, but retool year in okay. 2023. I'm kind of sick of it. So what would your swing thought be if this was your backswing right now? Hold on. Oh God. <laughs> well, that's funny, Dan. No joke. I was <laughs> I was there. It just yours is prettier. Is that real? Is that yeah? That was me on the weekend. But basically, I know a lot of people are doing this uh, in audio base. Basically, I'm at the top of my golf swing, um, and my club head is pretty much pointed right at the ball. Yeah, if if you were drawing a line in a 2D space, it, it's um, it's inverted. Pointed I right can't look ball. at it anymore. I can't. Yeah, do I don't it. blame. You. I wouldn't look at it either. Um, <laughs> if it, I, I'll make you feel better. It, you know, it, you're already a, a much more accomplished player than I am, and I was, I was there to slightly worse in a lot of ways. I'll show you a picture one day. I'm not ready to show anybody these pictures until I fix it. But okay. um, what would my swing thought be there? You, do you want to know what help help me? Uh, mine, I think, is mother of God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what what helped me was I don't think you can get to that position without cupping your wrist, without uh, cupping your wrist. I don't think you can. So what what I first started working on is my left wrist, just really focusing on, yeah, keeping it flat because you can't rotate enough to get the club in that position. Yeah, you'll get there, Dan. Yeah, oh yeah, I know. It, it's one of those things, man. It, you you have a kid and you start focusing on other things, and suddenly the the range sessions just go by the wayside so rather than making excuses and making it a utility year i think we're actually going to do some work on it and i'm going to bring everyone along with me I'm, i will share regular updates um i want you guys to hold me to it 
uh, and challenge me in the, the threads we create on THP after these uh, after these podcasts go live. I want you to challenge me in there and ask me whether I'm working on my game or not. Um, I'm just kind of tired. And it, frankly, it hurts getting from that point with my right arm back to square <laughs> it's a painful yeah, move so i bet you're pretty <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure there's a lot of places that are taken under pressure that's not really like you either you you have what i would call a, an effort like when you're swinging well a, a relatively yeah. effortless looking golf swing so so get there you'll be fine we'll recover probably before we play though which uh we got big plans this year so let's make sure that happens yeah the pressure's on jesus <laughs> Hey, do you have any questions for me today, Mr. Hawk? You know, I, I don't, I did not take, I I've had a busy day and I didn't write down an inflammatory question, which I did last time, but this time I, I did not find the time to do that. Wow. I feel like I'm getting off easy this week. Yeah, I think you are. I think you are. Well, I'll tell you what, we will continue this conversation with anyone who wants to be a part of it on the THP forums. Uh, take, um, Take a chance to go over there and ask us anything or, or grief me since Hawk decided not to. I, I love this dive, man. It's something I've been thinking about pretty hard over the last week while I agreed with some things and disagreed with others in, in a way that, that wasn't what most people would expect it to be. And I, I put that disclaimer in the thread I created saying like, look, it's not about me thinking I'm hitting it further. It's actually quite the opposite. Yeah. So, you know, the, the ability to talk through it with someone who's going down that rabbit hole i guess you could say right now is is has been really enjoyable for me and i hope everyone enjoyed it as well listening in i enjoyed it yeah <laughs> all right my friend well you be safe uh for the next couple months hang in there summer it will be upon us soon enough everyone out there listening if you are playing golf this week have a great time think about us uh watch the waste management hopefully we have a lot of fun doing that i'll catch you guys next week THP Radio on the Hackers Paradise Podcast Network, your number one source for all things golf. Subscribe on iTunes to never miss an episode.